0: This is the business of sports.
1: We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic
2: here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. Almost everyone out there is hoping that there's some kind of return to normal by August, September.
1: In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Who wants to be the sacrificial lambs that shows up at the first big major sporting event? We're part
0: of something much bigger than sport right now, and the health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all, from a business perspective, thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Jason Kelly. I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. We will explore
2: the big money issues in the world of sports. Let's talk about sports, guys. The governors of some very important states, they're saying that... Maybe we're getting back to at least training and playing, even if there aren't going to be spectators, including uh, the governor of your fair Commonwealth, Mike Lynch. Uh, What do you make of this?
1: Well, there's still a little bit of uh, inequity here. I mean, like the Portland Trailblazers have been back in their facility for three weeks uh, but there's still a lot of teams, NBA teams, which uh, uh, will be the next to go after a hockey, that still are not shut out, like the Celtics, the Bulls, the Pistons, the Warriors, uh, the Spurs, the Wizards. Um, I think the Knicks just got the go-ahead from Governor Cuomo uh, and all New York teams. So I kind of like to see everybody start have a fair shot and start at the same time. Rather than have someone get in there, you know, have a two or three week advantage because, you know, basketball legs are different than legs in in, in other sports. Uh, you know, it's a grueling it's a grueling toll on the on the physical body. And, and I think the teams that are in there earlier are going to get an edge.
2: Michael Barr, it's interesting as you think about that competitive edge and from a fan's perspective. It could make a difference in the in the quality of play, especially early on, because people they do need to knock the rust off here.
0: Well, yeah, uh, in fact, uh, Governor Phil Murphy earlier in the week he said, "Okay, New Jersey, go for it." You know, yeah. teams go in there and and do your thing. And I'm, I don't mean to be mean, but there are some teams that uh, are in the area that, like you said, they got rusty. So right. it's and I, and I think of the Philadelphia seventy sixers, by the way uh who have training facilities in Camden. So they they're going to benefit oh, from point. this. So this is this is going to be interesting.
2: Yeah, and I mean it also shows the I don't know, I I think a lot about this in terms of the different states and the different sports. You know, there was a good interview this week, uh, the folks up your way, Mike, did our team, our Bay State business team did with the governor of Connecticut. And and he was making the point, which is an obvious one, but I think worth repeating that, you know, the virus doesn't know borders, the virus doesn't really, uh, you know, delineate and doesn't say oh, oh oh hold on a second i'm at the massachusetts border i'm going to stop now and just you know keep <laughs> wreaking havoc in connecticut and I, one of the things i'm interested in here is that the governors of New York and New Jersey and Connecticut specifically said, we're going to be on the same page about everything. I'm not sure they've totally lived up to that. And obviously, sports are a national thing in in many ways. And so, you know, regions of the country matter to some extent. But Mike, as you say, in different parts of the country, it's been radically, it's been a radically different story in terms of how much the communities have been affected.
1: Well Florida opened the doors first and they said all are welcome come on down and that's why there's been so much talk about teams going down to Disney World, the UFC fighting in Jacksonville. The one that surprised me was Governor Cuomo. I thought he was the strictest uh, and and, and the harshest in terms of uh, uh, you know, opening the door and letting things return to normal, and he's he was right out front saying, um, uh, New York teams uh, get back on the field, start working out, and start practicing. So up here in Boston, Red Sox fans are unhappy that they can't get back to work, but the Yankees are already continuing to work out right now. So I thought that they would all, and and they and they pretty much have. I think the Dove governors have done a great job, but. You know all you need is one of them to break and then you know all right who's the first one this next one that's going to blink after 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 governor cuomo
2: yeah it's really interesting well i'm glad you brought up florida because it does feel like that's where a lot of the pro sports are gravitating to especially as they think about these bubbleized tournaments uh michael barr we heard about soccer this week following what feels like a playbook that we're going to see from the nba as well Everybody, it seems, is going to Disney World or nearby.
0: Yeah, Major League Soccer, they're proposing plans to return to play a tournament in uh, Orlando. So, But what's unique about this is that the event is going to fit in a short time frame, right. according to sources. I want to see how that's going to play out.
2: Yeah, Michael, I mean, this is interesting. I mean, soccer is one of these games that we know is very popular. It feels like the last few years have been pivotal in terms of the US really embracing it from a professional level. How important in the broader scheme of things is soccer getting back to business and sort of how it gets back to business? How much do you think about that?
1: Well, I think I still think it's the uh, the, 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 the the younger brother of uh, to all the four major sports yeah. uh, it's it's a great participant sport as we know through kids in high school and college but it's just in this country it's never caught on as a spectator sport but if they can get a jump on all the other sports and be on television regularly, it would be great exposure for them if they can get ahead, ahead, for instance, ahead of on TV, ahead of the NBA and the NHL. It, I think would would do uh, enormous good for them. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, do they have enough room at Disney? Because isn't the NBA going to get down to Disney That's as right. well? And we're going to have soccer. I mean, Goofy, Mickey, and Minnie are going to be pretty
2: busy down there when, when all these
1: <laughs> when soccer and NBA gets down
2: there. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, they're hosting all these people. Everybody wants to come to Disney World. I mean, the other interesting thing that I have started to think about too is that we did have news this week. Speaking of Disney, that Disney Walt well, Disney World is going to have a soft reopening of sorts mid July. So. It is going to be a very busy time. You're going to have a lot of folks down there. Now, granted, uh, Disney World is going to be open in a limited way, and we've seen a preview of that over in Shanghai in terms of how Disney is dealing with the opening of its parks but universal orlando i believe is opening as well so all eyes definitely pointing to there and you know the the nervous nelly in me and the worrier about uh, you know how this second wave of the virus hits you start to think a lot about how florida and and specifically central florida michael barr is going to look amid all this
0: well, yeah, and, and let's be honest, this plan isn't all peaches and cream. It, by the way, I had
2: peaches and cream, and I don't know why that's a
0: popular thing. But anyway, uh, <laughs> what, there's a stumbling block, and that, that is there are three major league soccer teams the uh, in Chicago, D.C., and San Jose. Now, those cities have not yet allowed to begin individual workouts yeah. because of the stay-at-home restrictions. Now, they could travel to Orlando in June. Uh, to help create a more level playing field, but that's the problem. It, there's not a level playing field. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, it seems like we're going to be talking about this level playing field a lot. All right. So I think it's fair to say this next story is one of all of our favorites, which is minor league baseball. <laughs> yes. We're missing it. I love minor league ball personally. I don't know about you guys. I have many memories of growing up and being in college, and you know, just going to minor league parks. It is the purest. Uh iteration in some ways of baseball uh, largely shut down as all sports are but just go to airbnb mike lynch and you can actually just rent out a stadium for yourself
1: (laughs) pensacola blue wahoo's (laughs) have a promotion going you
2: had me at blue wahoo's right i mean this is incredible
1: (laughs) wahoo (laughs) we all know that the minor league marketing directors are the most creative people in all of sports without question without question. So they have a a, a great idea. For $1,500, 10 people can come in and spend the night in their ballpark. Now, they can take batting practice, they can run the bases, uh, they can order food if they want, they can have breakfast in the morning, and they have a little, uh, like, they have a one bedroom that sleeps 10. There are four bunk beds that sleep eight, two queen-size beds, there are three bathrooms, there are color TVs, and for fifteen hundred dollars, which is one hundred and fifty dollars a head, you can come in and spend the night at the Blue Wahoos Ballpark, uh, right on the right on the shore in Pensacola. And, you know, I, I, my mind started w- running away with me right here. I said, what kind of people would be attracted to do this? And uh, I see the wide spectrum going from a nice family like the Brady Bunch coming yep. in and having a nice family night to Otter, Flounder, and Blutarski and the group from, an- from Animal House <laughs> and everybody in between. I think it's an awesome idea. And I went, and I'm sure you you guys did the same thing. I went on their website and tried to book a date, and every one of them appeared to be sold out.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did the I did the exact same thing. Yeah, the one thing, Michael Barr, that uh caught my attention when I was reading the story about it was, you know, they they had some some rather vague language and like you can take batting practice, you can have breakfast at home plate, you can, you know, have a picnic in out in the outfield, or, you know, do whatever. And I just feel like to the animal house points the do whatever is really what uh sets my mind wandering in 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 exactly the terms that uh i think you're thinking mike lynch of if you get a bunch of uh yahoos uh with the wahoos you don't know what's going to happen part of the fun
0: (laughs) of doing this is that you can go and and check out the batting cages yeah and it's like having the kids play in a 440 foot backyard yeah and
2: and seeing what's out there i mean this is really a great idea I wonder if it's going to catch on uh, across the minor league parks. Actually, I have a neighbor who's a, an owner of one of the, or a co-owner of one of the minor league ballparks uh, and minor league teams down south. I wonder if, uh, I'm going to ask him if I can just, you know, rent it out for a vacation. Guys, let's talk about college football. I am a big college football fan. I grew up in the south, and if you grow up in the south, you know that Saturdays are even more important than Sundays. I mean, Room other than the time. church stuff and things like that. We won't get into that. <laughs> But, uh, you know, college sports, college football over pro football in many ways uh, down in that part of the country. And a reminder as we look toward the fall that the financial and economic implications of either a subdued college football or no college football or a fanless college football, it is dramatic, Michael Barr. This is really
0: going to be interesting how this plays out, especially with no fans. And, and, and I'm getting serious about Alabama football. You know how fierce it is down there. So you get the crowd in there, and everybody's yelling, roll tide. Now, how do you do that without any fans in the stands? It, it, this, this is even more than pro sports because the fans play a huge role in big-time college sports.
2: Well, and there's an economic ecosystem, Mike Lynch, around college football specifically that I think we cannot forget about here, right? I mean, this is a, it's an economic system. It's not just a football program.
1: No, uh, it's a $4 billion business, uh, about a billion and a half close to that comes from uh, ticket sales. Uh, there's a lot of money spent on game day uh, concessions, parking, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and most schools uh, will tell you that 75 to 85 percent of their total athletic revenue comes from football. And obviously, the fallout and the carnage from this, and we've already seen it. Uh, a number of schools have dropped a lot of varsity sports permanently. And that's the sad part. And once those sports go away, they never, ever come back. This is going to be a our, our, our own version of, of a little bit of a civil war. Conferences are going to be at odds with each other. States are going to be at odds with each other. Um, and, you know, we're going to play. We're not going to play. We're going to have fans. We're not going to have fans. And I think this is, you know, the, here comes the money temptation again. You know, you've got the old uh, analogy I used before with the devil on one shoulder and the angel yeah. on the other from Animal House, you know. Well, but but look how much money we can get, you know. Is it worth the risk? Is it worth the risk? And I think there's going to be a lot of c- contentious uh, conversations going on.
2: So I heard a figure, uh, and this is a preview of an interview we're going to roll out next week. I heard a figure from, from George Pine. He uh, was the Chief operating officer at one point of IMG worked down south uh, for quite some time, especially during his time at NASCAR. And he said to me, going back to something you said uh, about Alabama, Michael Barr, every game day weekend, you know what the economic impact is for Tuscaloosa? $20 million. $20 million is generated by a single University of Alabama football game in Tuscaloosa. So you multiply that by five or six, depending on how many home games there are. So you're looking at, for that little town, for this one little town in Alabama, 100, $120 million of essentially lost revenue. You're talking about sandwich shops. You're talking about you know folks who are going to sell you a keg. You're talking about a lot of small businesses, hoteliers, everything like that and and i think it's really important to remember how much lifeblood there is in these sports down there well the key is
0: can we by september at be out of the woods if you want to call it that of this coronavirus pandemic and right now we're just getting ready to enter into June, and I'm not so sure that it's going to happen and you hit the nail on the head jason the the mom and pop uh, areas there the you know when you go to the bars and grills down there, and they've been there institutions for years, and all of a sudden you take a big hit like that. It's not like uh you know with the owner of Bubba shrimp where he's got like a bankroll, yeah, these guys are going day to day. And all it takes is for something like this, and that's the end of the ball game.
2: Well, and Mike Lynch, you said it very well, and I think it applies not just to the teams, but to these small businesses that we're talking about. Once you're done, it's very, very hard to come back. You know, can you reopen uh, that sandwich shop next season if football's back? Maybe, but you gotta l- literally eat uh, in the meantime. So, I think this—we're not done with this story by a long shot.
1: No, when I think of the, the people that are on the corner with Alabama foam fingers and pennants yep. and T-shirts and hats, the people who actually uh, charge you to park on their front lawn. I right. Mean, those people yeah. count on, they you know, they get 20 bucks a car and they may park 10 cars per game there. And, you know, that's a nice little uh, cash in the pocket for them. And you see it and you see it in college towns all across this country.
2: Yeah. Well, and you, you brought up a really good point that I've been thinking about as well, which is, you know, maybe you get the SEC kind of all together to more or less make the same rules, but does the ACC, and I'm staying in the South here, does the ACC follow the same rules as the SEC? Does, is the NCAA you know, able to put out the same rules? And I go back to something we were talking about earlier in the show, which is this notion of this is playing out differently in different regions of the country. And so... Obviously, I'm obsessed with the South, but, you know, college football also huge in the Midwest. And so does the Ohio State uh, Mm -hmm. administration make a different decision than the Penn State, than the Alabama, than the UCLA, USC? I mean, it's just it gets really, really tricky really, really fast.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, and Michigan has already said, oh, we're going to play football. Well, yep. that's great, but uh, I want to see how you're going to do it. You you hit it. You got Michigan. You got Michigan State. You got Ohio State. Uh, I can go on and on. I mean, it's this is uh, in the Big Ten. I mean, this this is huge. And you, like you said, down south, it's the same thing. Right. So, you know, what's going to happen? Who knows? And, and uh, I just hope – and pray for the the mom and pops that are the ancillaries uh, around the the big college sports that they're able to survive this
2: Well and and Mike but before we move on to the next thing I, I also want to point out that you know a lot of this is contingent on what happens with the colleges and universities themselves this is after all college football that we're talking about. They are tied to academics of higher learning. Sometimes we forget that. I certainly forget that sometimes in the in the heat of thinking about big time Southern college football. But, you know, they ultimately have to take their cues from their administrations, they ultimately have to take their cues, especially the state schools from the governors of those states. And if school's not in session, what do you do? And it exacerbates some things that you talked about earlier in this conversation, you know, which is the players want to play, the coaches want to coach, but everybody wants to be healthy. But ultimately, they're also students.
1: Well, let's take like, for instance, the ACC has a wide geographical coast, the entire East Coast. Yeah. So you get a school like Clemson, it's in the state of South Carolina. Let's say that they are going to open their doors for students to come in and uh, go to class in the fall. Boston College is in Massachusetts. Let's say the governor of Massachusetts said, We're still doing online classes. So, what happens when Boston College plays Clemson? If they play at Boston College, do they play with no fans? But if they play at Clemson, they can play with fans. And will Boston College agree to go down there and play? In front of fans when they right. sim- when, when Massachusetts is still shut down. So you're right. These are the uh, umpteen thousand issues that have to be resolved before the ball's uh, teed up and kicked off.
2: Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, a lot to look forward to and a lot to unpack as we head toward the fall. In the meantime, Michael Barr, let's do the number of the week. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since a you know, kid. Feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have
0: a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports:
1: The Number of the Week.
0: Here we go. Oh, here boy. we go. Uh, get, get inside
1: Bar's head. Here we here go.
0: Here we go. You got to pass those cobwebs <laughs> in between these ears. <laughs> the Number of the Week, gentlemen. It's a little bit serious. The number of the week is $400. i am going to say $400. $400. Hmm.
2: Is it a ticket price? No. Nope.
1: Is it uh, an average number of for some medical equipment? No,
0: no. Uh, it, it's a stipend, I'll say that. Oh, it's a stipend. Yeah. Is, does this relate to
2: college athletes?
0: No, it's actually it's uh, involving uh,
1: the Oakland Athletics.
2: Oh. All right, tell us. Uh. The, oh, I
0: know uh, what it is.
1: They were paying their minor league employees, players, $400 a week, and now they're not paying them anything.
0: Exactly. That's wow. how much the minor league players were getting weekly Per game and now that's even going to go belly up so now you compare the minor league player getting this compared to the guy who's making in major league baseball you know a big fat seven figures and now you have this problem in fact there's a question if the players association is going to even accept The offer and the whole baseball season could be up in the air and not go this season because of this. Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. I mean, these are the these are the numbers that I think we continue to worry about. And again, you know, from the perspective of this labor debate that we're having, as you alluded to, um, with the baseball players, I, I feel like the minor league teams, uh, Airbnbs notwithstanding, are really uh, in, in a pickle. Mm. Absolutely. Well, fingers are crossed for him. I'm Jason Kelly on Twitter at Jason Kelly News. And I'm Mike Lynch at Lynchy WCVB. And I'm Michael
0: Barr at
2: Big Bar Sports, getting
0: ready to watch Hazel. You're listening to Bloomberg Business (laughs) of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online wherever you get your podcasts, Mr. B.